Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Doing well. We got a happy group here this morning. Glad you guys are happy. Makes it easier for a preacher to preach when you got a happy crowd you're preaching to instead of folks that look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Um, thankfully, we don't have that here. Um, I'm excited to bring the word with you guys this morning. Um, Pastor Brad and Angela are celebrating their 25th anniversary. Woo! Yeah, I can give it up for that. Marriage is honorable to be held in honor by all. 25 years is a long time to be married. Um, and so just thankful for them. They're enjoying themselves somewhere in California. Um, so I get to bring the word to you this morning. Kevin, thank you so much and worship team for leading us so well in uh, praise this morning. I was encouraged. It's a delight to have the reads with us as well this morning. Excited about what God's doing at CCI. CCI Dallas and CCI Garland. We've got some great things happening uh, that I am just stoked about. I just have a great expectation that God is, God is moving. God is showing up. And I just realized I need to control my PowerPoint here. Let me get set up. Um, actually, I don't need to, but... Um, this morning we're going to talk about our gospel confidence, confession, and community. Um, imagine with me for a moment that you had access to the most powerful person in the world, the most wisest, the wisest person, the most wealthy and the most loving and kind person in the entire world. And you could go and talk to them and see them anytime you want, anytime you're struggling, anytime you have doubts or fears or struggles, anytime you have a financial need, anytime you need some wisdom and insights and direction, anytime you just need to be loved and held and hear gospel truth spoken over you, or you need to pour your heart out to that person. Imagine if you had access to somebody like that. You had their number in your favorites and you can dial them up right now and tell them what's going on and you won't get a busy signal. They are not going to hit their text message. Can't talk right now to you. Busy right now. I'll call you later. They will answer your call and they will listen. They will respond and they will tell you things you need to hear that will be valuable and vital to your life. Well, we have that, saints. We have that in God through Jesus Christ. And I tell you, if we had that here with the a, with a earthly person here that we could see, touch, and talk to, we would certainly take advantage of that opportunity. We'd be calling, we'd be knocking, we'd be saying, hey, I need some funds. It's, it's going to, I need some wisdom. I need some encouragement. We'd be going there, right? We got something better than that, y'all. We got God Almighty as our loving Father, the wisest person in the world, in the universe, available to us. And we can come before Him with confidence, with boldness, knowing that He will hear us, knowing that He will receive us, and knowing that He can do something about our circumstances. That's our gospel confidence that we're going to look at from Hebrews chapter 10. I'm going to pray and we're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. 
And I thank you for this family here, this communion of saints who believes your word. And that we are united together for the gospel's sake. That we are a family because of the gospel, because of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And you've brought us in from all over. From all kinds of different backgrounds. You've made us one family here. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for the confidence that we have to come before you as dad. As our gracious, almighty Father, merciful and mighty. We thank you for the good news. And I pray that that gospel would sink deep within our souls today. And that you would help me to boldly and clearly proclaim it and teach it this morning. And that we would be transformed by gospel truth. That we would have gospel confidence. That we would hold fast to our confession of the gospel. And that we would live out the gospel in community. Loving one another as you have loved us. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ I ask these things. Amen. Alright, Hebrews chapter 10. Turn there if you got your Bible. And if you don't feel like turning or scrolling on your phone, it's there on the screen. Hebrews chapter 10. This is one of those passages that I've gravitated towards and just go back to over and over and over and over again because it's so refreshing for me to be reminded of and for me to feast upon as a worship leader who leads people uh, into the presence of God or before God to approach God to pursue God. This is something I've reminded the worship team over and over and over again and I've maybe shared at communion uh, during communion time several times. Uh, but this is loaded with gospel truth in here. And so the, the author of Hebrews, uh, many would argue that the Apostle Paul was the author of Hebrews. Throughout Hebrews, he's, he's writing to Jewish Christians who were struggling. Jewish Christians who, were, some were, were drifting away and being tempted to go back to Judaism. Uh, to go back to the old way of serving God, the old sacrificial system, the old covenant. When there's this new glorious covenant. And throughout Hebrews, the author of Hebrews argues that Jesus is better. He's superior. He's the substance. The Old Testament was the shadow. The systems and the sacrifices and all those things were pointing to Jesus who would come and fulfill that and be the ultimate Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so the author of Hebrews argues and exhorts that Jesus is better, Christ is better, the new covenant is better. Don't go back to the old, don't drift away. Don't harden your heart. Don't let anybody fool you. So there's this therefore, starting in verse, amen. There's this therefore in verse 19 and as I often say, when we see a therefore in Scripture, we want to go back to see what it's there for. What's it there for? Okay, he's been arguing, he's been exhorting, Christ is enough. Christ is the only person that can bring about forgiveness of sins. Through His shed blood, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Bulls and goats and, and other lambs and sheep won't do it, are not enough. Jesus is that spotless lamb. Therefore, brothers, if you all would stand with me, let's stand and read the scripture together. Therefore, brothers, since we have... 
Jesus by a new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. I love hearing the saints read the scripture together. The voices coming together. It's one of the things I love about corporate worship. Hearing others' faith being expressed and love and affection and devotion for God be, be expressed. And that's one of the ways I'm stirred up in corporate worship. That's one of the benefits we have in corporate worship. Powerful text here. So we're going to look at our gospel confidence. I want to first highlight that our confidence to approach God is not based on our righteousness, but it's based on the blood of Jesus Christ. See, we have confidence to approach God because, not, not because we're righteous, all our righteousness is as filthy rags, Isaiah says, but because Jesus is righteous. And the righteous one, Jesus, shed his blood for you and I to forgive our sins, to cleanse us of our sins, and then give us his righteousness. We have an atonement. We have a perfect sacrifice for our sins. And we have a priest. A great high priest who's over the house of God. And these two things are the reason why we can approach God with confidence. We have access to God, not because we've been righteous and we've been good. Because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. How can a holy God let a sinful person into his presence? Well, there's one way, and that's through Jesus. He's made a way. It's a new and a living way that we have to approach God. Through his, his sacrifice, he's enough. We can go to the holiest place. You know, uh, this is alluding to or referring to the tabernacle. In the Old Testament. So in Hebrews he's been talking about it. That there's this tabernacle where uh, only priests could go to the most holy place. And they could only go once a year. Right? Everybody couldn't go there. But the high priest could once a year. And something significant happened when Jesus died. Very significant. Matthew 21 tells us. Here's what happened. When Jesus died... The earth shook. There was a darkness that came over the land. And in the temple, in the Jewish temple, the veil, the curtain that separated from the holiest place was torn in two. Signifying that me and you can now have access to God. This is what the author of Hebrews is unpacking for us. And not only that, but when he died, there were saints... That got up out of their graves in Jerusalem and started walking around. It's like a zombie movie. I mean, it's like something you see out of some, you know, crazy zombie movie. There's a resurrection that happened right there. Like, wow, the Son of God died. And all these things just confirming that Jesus is who He says He is. And He will do what He says He will do. 
And he's made a way for, for me and you. He's by his blood, by his sacrifice, he's provided that way. And we can have confidence to come before God in prayer and in worship. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to find help in time of need. Does anybody need some help right now? Anybody in a time of need right now? Well, you have access that you need to utilize. Access before the throne of God. Somebody should write a song about that. Oh, wait, there is one. One of my favorites. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea. A great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hand. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me then depart. No tongue can bid me then depart. That's our gospel confidence. We should sing about that and celebrate that, believe that, and take advantage of that, and rush the throne of God, blow up the circuits. It's not like there's going to be an overload and He can't get our call. God is big enough and sovereign enough to hear all of His children's prayers over all the earth and then on the entire globe and still answer those prayers and respond to those prayers and not give us a busy signal. <laughs> we have confidence to come before the throne of God because we have Jesus as our perfect sacrifice for our sins. This ought to affect what happens when we come together in corporate worship, saints. This ought to change the way we come in this place. Whether you've had a great day, don't be coming in your righteousness. Whether you've had a great week, don't be coming thinking how righteous you are and you're going to get your praise on because you've been so good this week. Or whether you had a bad week and you blew it. You, you blew it as a dad or a husband, as a wife, as an employee, as a friend, and your week was terrible. You don't come on the basis of your righteousness. Your confidence isn't rooted and based on how righteous you are, but on how righteous Jesus is. Therefore, you can come anytime with confidence before the throne of God. Because you have a high priest who can sympathize with your weaknesses. Jesus was tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted to do some evil things. He had some evil thoughts that Satan presented to him. He was tempted. But he rejected those thoughts. He fought with the word of God. He he tore down those high things that exalt himself against the knowledge of God with the word of God. And he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. He was tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus didn't sin. 
But he can, he can understand what it's like to be tempted. He can sympathize with us when we fail in our sin. And he provides mercy and grace so we can have confidence that we will receive mercy and grace from him. Amen? This is good news. This is great news for us because the veil has been torn. We can come before God. We can experience the presence of God. We can have confidence. Hebrews eleven six. We have can, we can have confidence that God will reward us when we approach Him. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. See, there's a there's a reoccurring theme here throughout Hebrews, and it's one of them is drawing near, drawing near, drawing near. We can approach God now. You don't have to be like the Israelites who in fear cowered away from the mountain because they didn't want God to speak to them. Moses, you go. We can come with confidence now because the blood of Jesus removes the guilt of our sin. He bore our punishment. We can have confidence that in his saving power and his sustaining power. Hebrews 7.25 says, Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. I don't know about you, but this is heavy. Uh, Like, we need to let this sink in. Jesus has prayed for you, and he is praying for you. I don't know about you, but I feel loved when people pray for me. And I know they're praying for me, and I know their prayers are being heard, and I know that God's answering those prayers. I feel loved. We ought to feel loved, saints, that Jesus intercedes for us. He gave his life for us. He In John 17, we have this beautiful passage of God the Son talking to God the Father, and Jesus praying for the church, his bride. And even praying for those of us who would believe afterwards. Anybody like that fall in that category here? Those of us who would believe. We How many believers we have? We're believers in Jesus. Okay, raise your hand if you're a believer in Jesus. Don't be ashamed. The next point is our gospel confession, okay? Don't be ashamed to confess you're a believer in Jesus. Um, Jesus has prayed for us. I mean, this reminds me of what Jesus told Peter. He said... Peter, Satan's asked to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. When you return, strengthen the brethren. Jesus got us. He intercedes for us. He saves us. He sustains us. He keeps us. And He holds us by His grace. I love that Matt Redman song, You Never Let Go. Oh no, you never let go. Through the calm and through the storm, oh no, you never let go, every high and every low, oh no, you never let go, Lord, you never let go of me. That's true. Amen? He doesn't let go of us. He saves us and He sustains us. So we have confidence To draw near Almighty God. Now the author of Hebrews tells us a couple of ways that we're to do this. A couple of aspects that are connected with this drawing near. The first is that we're to draw near with a sincere heart. With a true heart. Okay? Now be careful that you don't equate coming to church with drawing near to God. 
Because that's not always the case. It should be the case. For we should draw near to God when we come to corporate worship. Don't equate drawing near to God with having your quiet time. Because you can check your list and read your Bible reading and go through a ritual prayer and not actually draw near to God. Or you can go to seminary or you can uh, do a lot of religious things externally that look good but not actually draw near to God. And I love that God invites us to draw near to Him. That we're not just tolerated in His presence. We're, we're invited, we're wanted, we're welcomed to come into His presence and connect with Almighty God, Creator of heaven and earth. And he says that we're to come to him with a sincere heart. Psalm 145.18 says the Lord is near to all who call upon him. To all who call upon him in truth. Truth. Sincerity. Jesus says true worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. God wants truth in our inward parts. He doesn't want us to be like the Pharisees who in his day, Jesus said this applied to them from Isaiah, that they, these people, they draw near with their lips, but what? Their hearts are far from me. Okay? This is what we're talking about, drawing near to God from here. I mean, we're not talking about going east or west or north or south. We're talking about drawing near to God. We're not talking about going to this church or that church. Up or down, side to side. We're talking about from the heart, drawing near to Almighty God, coming before Him in faith, in sincerity, and approaching Him because of the way that's been made for us through the blood of Jesus. The veil's been torn. Jesus' body was ripped so that we can come into the presence of God. Jesus' blood was spilled out, poured out intentionally. So that we can come before Almighty God. And so that we can have a clear conscience, a clean conscience. We're to come, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. By the way, in this passage, you have the beautiful triad of faith, hope, and love. Here's faith. Let us draw near with faith. He who comes to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And then we're to come with our hearts sprinkled clean from a from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, how do we do that? How do we get a clean conscience? Beware lest you try to do that without the blood of Jesus. Because you need the blood of Jesus for a clear conscience. That's what chapter 9 already told us. The blood of Jesus is what washes us and cleanses our conscience. And we acknowledge our sin before Almighty God. Perhaps somebody here walked in today with a guilty conscience. And you feel maybe, maybe you had a hard time singing or thinking or approaching God. Maybe you were lacking that confidence because there's, your, your heart condemns you. There's, there's a guilty conscience. And just so you know, I've, I've found myself as a Christian in that place many times. Okay? Uh, just this week, I found myself in that, that place this week with a guilty conscience. As I had one of, a low spot as a dad. Got three precious children and a beautiful wife, and I was getting impatient and irritated. And my kids saw that, and it came out. As much as I try to smile and keep it, keep my kids from seeing that frustration in those pressure moments, 
they still told mommy after I left, daddy's mean. And that's when I heard that, I mean, that's just like, oh, that was like a dagger. That's the last thing I want my kids to say or experience about daddy is that he's mean. (laughs) Daddy's mean. Y'all think that's funny, huh? You know, it's convicting. You know, in in the moment, I wasn't being gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, bounding in steadfast love. And you know what I could do? I could wallow in condemnation for a few days and beat myself until I feel better, like, you know, kind of repay if I could try to do that. That doesn't work. There's something a lot better than that. It's called the gospel. And I need it. You need it. And we can come before Almighty God with confidence because of the righteousness of Jesus. Because of His blood. And if we're not being gracious and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love like our Father, then we, one, we need to repent. And that's what I did. And I'm, I'm, and I, I, I can confess it like I am now openly because I, I know I've repented and I know that the blood of Jesus has washed that. My conscience is no longer condemning me because it's been dealt with at the cross. And I haven't grown out of my need for the cross. I haven't grown out of a need for the gospel, and don't think you will either. We're here, and we need mercy, and we need grace, and we need to give it, just like we receive it from our gracious Father and Savior, Jesus Christ, and our Heavenly Father. And so if we need a change, then we need to behold Him who is gracious and compassionate and slow to anger. Just look at Him. Receive that mercy and grace from Him. Let Behold Him and be changed. Become like Him. Amen? So this is helpful. That our consciences can be clean. Amen? I, I love... Um, actually, we're going to go to the next point here. Um, right after I mention one thing about the presence of God. Um, I love the presence of God. And since I've become a Christian, um, I've been addicted to God and His presence. Scripture says there's fullness of joy in His presence and at His right hand are pleasures forevermore. I'm addicted. I'm sold. I'm, I'm hooked on Jesus. I'm a Jesus addict. I need Him more than anything. And He's the only one that can satisfy and sustain and save me. And He's the only Savior who always delivers, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Who I can call anytime. I can turn to and confess to and, and find deliverance, find salvation. Um, those of you who are skilled at um, dishwashing know that uh, when you got a dish that has dry food on it, it's not always the best thing to start scrubbing away on that dry food to get that gunk off, right? What? I heard somebody say it over here. Soak it. Soak it. That was a lady who said that over there. Soak it. Put some warm, soapy water in that dish and let it soak for a little bit. And you'll find that 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 gunk will come right off once you let it soak. And I think that so many of us work so hard to to scrub the gunk out of our life and our own strength apart from God's help and independently. I got this, God. I got this. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to clean this. Without the blood of Jesus, we need to come before God 
and confession. And we need to soak in the presence of God. Spend time in the presence of God and let the gospel wash over us. Cleanse us and change us. And we don't have to scrub away to get rid of the gunk. We can be washed in the water of the word, specifically the gospel. Amen. So we love the presence of God here. We want to be about that. We run hard after God. We have access to his presence. Amen. Uh, Let me say this. um, The next exhortation in this passage is let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promises faithful. So we have a gospel confidence and saints, we have a gospel confession. When you became a Christian, you had a confession, right? What was that confession? That Jesus Christ is Lord, right? And you in your heart believed that God raised Jesus from the dead. And therefore, he makes you righteous through your faith in him. And he promises he will raise you up with him. Okay? We have this confession that we're to hold fast to. The author of Hebrews was exhorting the Jewish Christians to hold fast to their confession of hope. Don't drift away from it. Hold on to it. Because he who promised is faithful. You see, our faithfulness to God is based on and rooted in His faithfulness towards us. He's holding on to us. Yes, we're holding on to Him, but He's holding on to us. And guess who's stronger? He is. Guess who's praying for us? Whoever lives to make intercession for us? Jesus. Do you think God the Son is going to get His prayers answered from God the Father? I think so. I think Jesus' prayers are going to get answered. We can be comforted in that truth. He's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful when we blow it, when we sin. God is faithful to forgive our sins. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just. To forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we're being tempted and it feels like it's overwhelming and we feel powerless and weak to fight temptation, God is faithful to not allow more temptation on us than we can bear. But we'll make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. But God is faithful who with each temptation will make a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God is big enough and faithful enough and sovereign enough to make sure that all over this globe, all over the world, His people will not be tempted beyond what they're able and they will have a way of escape. So if we don't take that way of escape, it's not because God wasn't faithful to us. Because we fail to respond to his faithfulness towards us. And then when we do fail, we confess and trust that he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. I um, heard a story about an old couple driving down the road and they've been married for years, decades, and the husband's driving the truck and the wife looks over and says, honey, you remember when I used to sit next to you and we would cuddle as we'd drive down the road in, in the truck? And 
Um, and she said, what, what happened? Why don't we do that anymore? And so the, the, the husband, just like an uh, old, older husband could do, just he's, with a grin on his face, looked over and he said, Honey, I ain't never moved. I just kept on driving. And you know, we have a God who doesn't change. Hebrews 13 tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is faithful to us. It's us who have hearts that are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Take my heart and seal it for thy courts above. Come thou fount of every blessing. to my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melody of your song and sung by flaming tongues above. Bound I'm fixed upon it. Mountains I redeeming love. It's verse two I was looking for. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fair bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take it, seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Amen. I did that in the last service and went flat. That's so embarrassing, you know, when you're the worship leader and you, and you go flat and you like get off. Hey, but it's not about me, right? It's about Jesus. Just got to remember that. I, I feel like sometimes the Lord lets those little things happen. Just to remind me, it's not about you, Keith. Um, it's all about him. And our goal is to magnify him, to put the spotlight on him who is faithful, who is good, who is gracious, who is perfect. That's one of the things I love about corporate worship is we get to focus on him and get our eyes off the brokenness of this world and even in our own lives. And we focus on him. We're changed. Amen. Heard a story about a young man who um, this evangelist was trying to lead him to Jesus. And he was pleading with him, uh, trying to persuade him to give his life to Christ. And he wanted to. This young man wanted to give his life to Christ. But he struggled with the reality that he had been unfaithful to his wife. He was married, and this young man didn't want to uh, give his life to Jesus and make him a bigger mess of things and have the name of Jesus have mud thrown on it by living, continuing to live in adultery. Um, so the evangelist pleaded with him with this gospel truth that, when you become a Christian, Christ comes and he lives inside of you. The faithful one not only forgives your sins, but Christ comes and he dwells inside of you. His spirit takes residence 
Christ, that Christ may dwell in your hearts. He changes the decor. He takes residence. He helps you get rid of some things. And he brings about this beautiful, sweet fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, 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 gentleness, self-control. He brings that about. That's a work of God. That's good news. Our faithfulness to God is rooted in the reality that he's faithful to us. Amen. So let us hold fast the confession of our hope, saints. We were singing about this this morning. I believe in God the Father. I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Our God is three and one. I believe in the resurrection that we will rise again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. That's the confession of our hope. We sang it this morning. And when we come together corporately in worship, we spur one another on. We encourage one another's faith. We stir up love and good works. And the next exhortation tells us to consider. Think about ways that you can do that. You know, saints, when you come here... Every person can, can be a contributor and not a spectator. There's several ways you can contribute when you come to corporate worship here. One is you can sing. You can pray. You can draw near to God. You can allow your faith to be strengthened and then strengthen others' faith by them seeing you and hearing you pursue God. And you can share a simple word of encouragement with somebody who needs it. You don't have to be up here to do that. I know a lot of folks are like, I don't want to be up there anyway. That's kind of a scary thing for me. You can do that right there. There are people right around you that probably need some encouragement in their walk with Jesus. They probably need some encouragement as mothers, as fathers, as husbands, as employees, as just saints. Following Jesus. Let's look at that next exhortation there. And lastly, uh, we're going to look at our gospel community. The last exhortation is, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is important. This is important because if we're going to hold fast the confession of our hope, we need to do this, especially as we get closer to the return of Christ in times that Paul, second Timothy three says are perilous, difficult times that have come and are coming. We need to meet together. And encourage one another and consider how we can stir up love and good works. I don't know how Christians can remain faithful without having a habit of meeting with other Christians. God's just set it up that way. There is encouragement that comes through meeting together. And if you're a Christian, you should want to meet with other Christians. And I know many of us have experienced hurt from others in the church But God can heal that and God can change that. God can change you and God can change 
other broken people like you. So don't don't forsake meeting together. Um, I think we need community groups, home groups where we meet in each other's houses like the early church did. Where we're sharing meals together. We're doing life together. This is huge. This is important. Now, at this time in the first century, they didn't have some of the technology that we have. So as far as encouraging one another, they couldn't just be like, okay, I'm going to text Chad Bradley right now and encourage him that he is just an awesome dad. And I'm just so happy for him. They couldn't do that in the first century, right? So they had to meet together. They had to see each other in presence. They couldn't turn on internet church and stream in praise and worship and uh, uh, preaching. <laughs> they had to meet together. And I think we still need to. I mean, I praise God for technology and Skype and, you know, ways that we can stay in touch with family and missionaries that are on the other side of the world. That's awesome. You know, that's a, that's a gift. Uh, but, but we need to meet together in corporate worship and, and hear one another's voices be lifted up in praising Jesus and, and praying out prayers to one another and speaking gospel truth over one another. Saints, we are to be conduits of grace into the lives of other saints. Ephesians 4 tells us, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Have you ever thought about that? Like you could be a very a conduit, a channel through which God brings his grace to other people's lives through simple words of encouragement, simple gospel truth that you speak over people. Husbands, you can do that with your wife. Wives, you can do that with your husbands. Parents, you can do that with your children. Roommates, you can do that with your roommates. Employees, you can do that with your employers. Amen? In church, we can do that with one another. We can encourage one another. We need that right there. Amen? Even more as we see the day approaching. Kevin, won't you come on up? We're going to respond uh, in singing, I believe in God the Father. We're going to sing that confession of hope. But before we do that, and as we're getting ready to do that, I just want to invite, since maybe there's somebody here that has a word of encouragement, that as I've been preaching, there's something that's been bubbling up in you that you want to share with everybody right now. Just a way that you can stir up love and good works right now. By a simple word of encouragement. John, come on up, brother. May 1st, 1988, I was in Calvary Baptist Church in Shawnee, Oklahoma, my freshman year, Oklahoma Baptist University, and uh, going through a season of doubting my salvation and having some passing thoughts of taking my life, going to a Christian college. And as I went to church that day, I was just asking God to help. And I wasn't sure if he would respond or how. That Sunday, the pastor quoted Hebrews 10.23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for God who promised is faithful. And I was, I was telling Jenna this morning that I was struggling again with those doubts and I hadn't in a while. And I was like, God, 
I bring these doubts to you again and again and again. Not sure how he would respond. Sit down in Hebrews 10.23. Thank you, God. Amen. That's the Lord. And I'm sure there's other brothers and sisters here who may be struggling in time of need. And we want to pray for you. We want to encourage one another. We want to consider one another how to stir up love and good works. And I love that God sees us. God is the God who sees. And he saw his son, John Wilson, this morning and had a word for him. And God sees you. He sees where you're at. And he can handle your doubts. He can handle your struggles. He can bear that load that may be too much for you. Amen? So look around you. There are people around you that you can encourage. That you can share a simple word of encouragement to. You can consider, think of creative ways to stir them up in their walk with Christ. Love and good works. Amen. Let's respond. And if you want prayer, come on up. Or just raise your hand and we'll gather around you right where you're at. And we'll pray for you.